Series 6 was recorded in March 2022 over the internet. The following content may contain strong language. Hi, my name is Omar Elorian and I'm a freelance theatre maker and director of Italian-Palestinian Heritage based in Milan. For many years, I've had the privilege of working in many different countries, including the UK, where I worked for seven years as associate director at London's Bush Theatre. I work mainly on new plays and new work created by emerging and diverse artists, which is why I'm excited to host this series of conversations with international playwrights for the Royal Court. The International Playwrights Programme at the Royal Court builds and develops the theatre's relationships with writers from around the world, forming long-term partnerships with theatre makers and organisations from different traditions, working in different languages and cultural contexts. They do this through long-term writers group, residencies, exchange projects and productions of work by international artists. The programme also seeks to support the practice of theatre and translation through working with translators at different stages of their career. All of the writers featured in this series have engaged with the programme in different ways across the last 18 months. I hope you will enjoy listening and discovering the work of these extraordinary artists who come from the broadest range of backgrounds and approaches in a testament to our unflinching need to connect with one another and expand our experience of what theatre is and can be from different vantage points. Hello, my name is Omar Elarian, and I'm your host for today. And it is my pleasure to introduce you to uh, the first writer of our series of podcasts. Amir Ghadarzi is a writer born in Tehran, Iran in 1986. He graduated at the only school for theater the country had at the time. Due to censorship, his plays were only shown in private circles. And since 2009, Amir has lived in involuntary exile in Vienna, Austria. In 2017, he won the Dramatica Inner Prize for the best first play between us and in 2018, his play Arash, The Returnee, premiered under the title Arash Heimkehr in Vienna and his play The Knowledge Tree was shown in Jerusalem. In 2019, his play The Assassin Castle was invited to the Berlin Stückmarkt and in 2020, the play Jellyman, The Future in Between My Fingers, premiered in Vienna. In 2022, his play Wonder Womb has won the Kleist Prize for playwriting. Amir now lives in Vienna and is working on his debut novel. And hello, good afternoon, Amir. Um, hi, good afternoon. And uh, where are you calling from today? We are on Zoom and uh, I can see a lot of books behind you. If you look at the books between the books you can see a window and then behind us window is Stephansplatz in Vienna no just joking I'm in Vienna <laughs> <laughs> so not living in a luxury part of Vienna mm. but yeah <laughs> and how long have you been living in Vienna then since 2009 but in between uh lived in Central Asia as well in Tajikistan Uzbekistan 
Tajikistan, so around so for one and a half year, but so most of the time in Tajikistan and then in Vienna. And uh, have you uh, kind of adapted to life in Vienna? Are you a fully fledged Austrian? Have you mastered the language? Um, I mean, in, in, in a way, uh, so I, I took actually the Viennese accent and um, it sounds very <laughs> Viennese. I mean, in <laughs> Germany, they, are, uh, they look at me as a Viennese guy, but in, in Austria, it's like a, the problem is I'm not that blonde or I don't have a blue eyes <laughs> uh, to be accepted or seen as a Austrian. But so in Germany, they are more into me as an Austrian Viennese guy than in my own country. <laughs> and uh, it, it's great to, to have you here uh, and to be able to speak a bit about your work as a writer and uh, your work as a, as a writer that kind of uh, speaks across uh, or writes across different languages. Um, but the first question I have for you uh, is why theater and uh, what brought you to choose theater as mm -hmm. as the specific medium of your work I mean uh, so the idea of working in theater actually was a simple a childish idea to being famous as an actor because this the only theater uh, school we had to back into that time in Tehran, it was like on a way uh, to to the house of my grandparents. And I've seen it always like from the window of the bus or from the window of the car. So, and then uh, I was like thinking of being famous to be actor, simple actor, but I, I've, I haven't been in, in theater at all. And then after I started to study in this school, so with around 14, um, so real quick, this uh, childish idea was like disappearing. I was like in, in, in theater for first time in my life. And I was like really shocked uh, of this kind of wonder world in, in, to, in the theater. And I was like, uh, I was digging more. I was like reading more. I went more into the plays and watched more performances. And I realized... <clears throat> there is something for me there that I can actually dig up. So in, in a way, first of all, I was like into theater because theater is life. It means um, there is no censorship or less than everything in a, in a dictatorship like Iran. That was like, um, that was interesting because um, I, I, I knew about the kind of similar theater to Comédie de l'Arte. There is a very traditional way of theater in Iran. And they were like also using theater for criticizing kings, um, regimes, whatever, you know. And it was important because there was no record, no control. It was life and they could do whatever they want. And I realized, uh, beside of all these <clears throat> life things happening on a stage, I realized that uh, you can st establish discourses actually in, in, in a way in theater because you know TV is in the hand of regime they are they are very focused on it they are controlling it very hard but theater is like kind of a bit more free and that the stage is actually a, 
space for uh, thinking about the war. I mean, if we try to stay uh, by the classical plays like Hamlet, um, nobody gonna talk like to be or not to be, but that's that's stage. It's like the, the way you try to think about the existent, most ex important existential questions and a kind of, there is a philosophy of life in it. And that was like very amazing for me. And that's why I decided actually, so as a very young guy, as a teenager, to this medium for myself. So I was surprised that there is a world, uh, a magic world outside. And I didn't know about that because there's no tradition of going to theater with a school or something like that. So uh, I discovered it by my own. And that's also very, that's also very uh, cynical in a way that in a country like Iran, that, that, that there is a country, I call it the master uh, of monologues, you know, because they are, there is every, always a monologue. There is the leader is a monologue. The God has a monologue. Everybody is like, so that, that's a dictatorship. There is a school for, for theater where you can learn that a monologue is not the only way of communication. There is di dialogue as well. And that's very cynical, but I was lucky to be in, in, in this, into this school and learn more. So. And, and I'm curious about what kind of uh, shows or performances you were watching at the time. Uh, was it uh, in Farsi? Was it mm -hmm. uh, traditional Iranian theater? Or were you able also to see, I mean, I know there is, there has been for a number of years, a very famous festival, the Faj Festival mm -hmm. in Tehran, which mm -hmm. kind of brought a lot of work from artists from all over the world. Yep. So what, what kind of work were you most intrigued by at the time? I mean, there were like a bunch of plays so from Iranian writers, so the modern plays, like the traditional one was like not interesting at the beginning for me mm -hmm. because I knew it in a way. And then I realized at, after a while, I realized the idea behind it. And then it was interesting. But at the beginning, I was like into the uh, kind of West way of theater. And there were like modern plays from Iranian playwrights and also the translations of modern plays from the whole world. Mm. Um, because there is a, actually okay, I mean, I, I don't know it how it is recently, but as I was like young, it was a tradition of publishing plays, at least so some thousand, as a book uh, for people like me, uh, for students and so on. And we were like able to buy most, mostly like English speaking plays mm -hmm. and also like the classic the classics of plays and then the new ones. So I was like, for example, very curious about Edward Al Albee and also David Mamet. And so as I was in Royal Court, I was, uh, uh, I tried to read all, all of these plays in English again, because I knew them in Farsi and knew them in German. And then I was like, ah, oh, okay, the original one, I'm gonna try to read it at least. Yeah. And, and how did writing come specifically to become your, your, your medium of choice in a sense? Um, you, start, you said you started, you know, through uh, acting or like being fascinated by the acting, but I'm quite curious 
you mentioned the censorship and the fact that, you know, um, theater that wasn't scripted was able to kind of bend a bit uh, the, the limits of censorship. But to then be putting words on paper kind of feels like a much more uh, deliberate act. So when did that happen for you? I mean, uh, as I mentioned before, it was like a childish <laughs> idea to become... Uh, famous and then after a while I realized that's not my my thing I want to establish this discourse actually that's why I was like more into writing or thinking of uh, a discourse and also uh, um, I was also we were like a group of young people mm -hmm. try to think about new topics and like like sketches and short plays and then we try to stage it by our own because sometimes you cannot mention a word, but you can point in a theatrical way on it. And then the, the audience, they're going to get you without call the mm. word, you know? That's, that's something very interesting in theater. That's why uh, it was like possible to go through the censorship. But in a, in a way, I was like not really... Uh, interested to have a huge audience because there are controls, you know, in, in a way, if you want to have a show for uh, audience outside. But we had like, uh, we, we were lucky because I, I had a friend who has a rich father and we got a, so it was like a huge park, parking actually um, mm -hmm. in, in a building. And it was like our own small theater because we, we could have we could have audience there and later as we've been like 17, 18, and 19. And we have done also some some plays uh, in desert, so around where there there was like no control. But we were like uh, try to do it also in the school because in the school we had a stage as well. There was like no control. It was like the the only the teachers but they were like not into controlling <laughs> us in in this way so because it was not a public space and uh, which brings me a bit to the next question i guess which is um what is the role for you uh in 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 iran uh of of theater and of new writing specifically i mean um i know you've you've left now for for a number of years, but um, yeah, who, who would come and, or were there different scenes as you described, uh, depending on what people were interested in and invested in? I mean, I, I realized that the, the, the mediums like cinema, theater, they, are, they, they have a power, they have a political power uh, because otherwise wouldn't the regime be so afraid of this mediums and censor them. Um, that's why theater for me is a political instrument beside of the artistic way of theater. It, it, it's supposed to be political in a way because you can establish discourses actually in, in this medium. That's why I, I see uh, theater, I, I mean, for sure, I always write uh, plays uh, with, a, with a bit of uh, joy that the the audience c 
can have also a bit of spectacle in, in a theater, but in a way I'm just talking about political issues. And that's, that's, that's an important part of my work. So that, that's why I, in Iran, I was like um, more interested in theater because I realized they are really afraid of theater. Mm -hmm. They are really afraid of film because I wrote scripts from film as well. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the, that's our instrument to fight against this regime because if, I mean, we were like uh, very naive as well. And then we, we thought, if every night there are like five people going out of the theater and they are thinking differently, in some months you have like some hundred of these people. And that is something uh, exciting. And in just because in these countries, you are, not possible, you are not able to reach people so easily. And that's why uh, uh, it, it was the need of dialogue in, in the society to deal with idea of censorship, dictatorship, and so on. And I mean, as I was, as I live in Iran, there were only state theater, mm -hmm. but since over 10 years, there are a bunch of private theaters in, in, in Iran and they are less controlled um, since there, there are a bunch of private theaters for sure. Some of them, they are like um, for profiting and they are just like showing sort of spectacles, uh, just co comedies and so on. Mm -hmm. But there are some few, uh, some few of theaters, they are doing a good job. But, you know, as you know, when you are not living there, it's difficult to know it because that's the idea of theater. You need to be there. But yeah. I think Iran is one of the few countries that the people stay and uh, actually they are waiting and stay in the lines uh, about waiting to go to theater. The same lines you see in London for discotheques or so mm -hmm. on or <laughs> somewhere else, they are in, in Tehran, for example, for plays or performances. Uh, for sure, there is a lack of uh, discos and parties and so mm. on. That's why the people try to go to theater or to movies. But that's something that's why the regime is afraid of mm. these mediums and how did you find then uh, arriving in in austria in europe and starting to work um internationally what what was the difference i guess in terms of um writing for a new audience or did you initially write for a diasporic audience of Iranians that had also moved to Europe? Um, actually, uh, at the beginning, I was like busy with learning the language, doing mm -hmm. this and that, because there's, there is a real huge change in the life of a young man coming to, to Europe. Um, I was like, n not at all thinking about writing for diaspora Iranian because mm -hmm. um, there, there is a really small community. And although I was also not able to work in this language because of, you know, I, I, had, I had an issue with this language um, because of the experience I had, just traumatized I had like in this language. Mm -hmm. And I needed, um, I, I wanted to forget this language. I, want, I, I didn't want to work in this language anymore. And that's mm. why I started with German in a way, 
as, as a medium to get rid of my mother tongue. Mm -hmm. And then through German, again, I could actually find a way to my mother tongue because then I, I, I realized German is also a guilty language because the, the, stru the structure of German language was used, this machinal structure of German language was used in Second World War for this mass, mass killing and schwa. So, um, as we know, and then uh, I realized, okay, there is, there is no place in other language for me to flee my, 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 my mother tongue. And I, I, I went through it and then I could, I could find my own language in a way and go back again to my mother language. But uh, I had this decision to write in German mm. because the, the, it is a challenge as well. I wanted to have this challenge so to write in German and German is it is a very rigid the grammar is very rigid but in a way um, there is a language you can do a lot you can even even stay in this language because this language is is, is like a big room that you are in it and you cannot flee out of this room because mm. the language is uh, working a lot so with the distances because the language is changing the grammar is changing with distances that you your body has to things you know this this idea of dative accusative yep. is changing because of the distance and the movement you have um and and the grammar is very interesting and i was like uh, fascinating by this language in a way because i don't know it at all in my mother tongue there was like a new word and I tried to figure out what is this word, and then I, I, I then the second challenge was uh, try to break the rules of this language, break mm. the grammar of this language, and um, to because there there is a privilege actually to learn a language not as your mother tongue because you are not very critical toward your mother tongue. If something is uh, is related to your emotion, you learn it mm. through the word. But uh, for me, every word has a new meaning, and I think I try to think about the backgrounds of this word and why and that. And that's why I, I using it. I'm, I'm using it a lot in, in my writing. And so, the, for example, that that's an everyday life language I'm using. I'm playing a lot with German. Then all of a sudden, the, the German speakers, they're going to stumble on, on, on some words I'm using because they know the word, but the way I'm using it, they don't know it because, because of the rigid way of grammar. Um, yeah, you asked something different. I answered something different. No, no, no. That's, that's really actually really fascinating because, um, I, yeah, I, what you mentioned about kind of uh, erasing your mother tongue and finding it again uh, by learning another language and starting to write in another language feels feels really um, really important. And um, I'm curious because I've I've read some of your plays and oh. you mentioned earlier uh, Albi and uh, Mamet, which I was fascinated by was the fact that you give voice sometimes to inanimate objects or to raw data or to relics. And um, I wonder whether there was a connection in terms of uh, what you described about, you know, being 
using a new language like German in a, in a more analytical way? I mean, uh, so giving that animals or voices or around, so that, that, that's something is related for me to theater as a, a magical place. Because um, for me, it, it is quite boring to see like um, two, three people sitting on stage and talking about oil. So how, how am I able talking about the oil, the story of oil behind of it, and also about the oil as a motor of capitalism, as, as a actually money in, in a way so uh, as a income for dictators and so on so it is not possible at least for me to write a play about such a things having people like two three uh, two three actors on stage and say like, ah you know uh, there is oil somewhere there and so you know that's why I tried to find new ways new forms to talk about new ideas new challenges in the world so if if I, I, because in fact for example talking about wonderful in fact oil change changing our life changed our work uh, changed my life and the life of people in the middle east and also in europe and if you look at the climate change um, oil is playing a big role and look at the conflicts from now I mean the, the war so between Russia and Ukraine uh, oil is still playing a big role and all of a sudden you, you are paying more if you, are, you have a car to drive your car because of benzene you know they, they, everything is related to each other and what, what is actually my duty my duty is as a playwright thinking about the language and th talking about new challenges because uh, if I try to uh, that's that's a that's unfortunately the fact that the people try to immediate Hollywood or, or sobo prose and so on we're gonna lose because theater not cannot actually win against Hollywood with this money and this mm. uh, whole show that's why we need to find a new way in this magical world, I mean, in this black stage, to have a discussion, to have this discourse, and also being interesting in, in, a, in a way of form, and then talking mm -hmm. about whole, whole topics. So, you know, something I'm doing, they are not able to do in Hollywood or with soap mm -hmm. operas. That's, mm -hmm. that's actually why I try, and then that's why... I, try to use the language in a dif different way that they don't use it in a soap opera because it is for me really boring. I don't want to write the same sentences, the same words that they use, you listen every day. You see it every day in soap operas and movies or you're going to go to theaters. Uh, so they, they are repeating all these. That's not, that's not my, my theater. Mm. My, the idea of theater is like, pointing at the language, understand the language, why we are using the language in this way we understand. Why is language fact, language actually changing our, the way of our thinking? The, the language is related to the history, the history is related to us, and it's also changing our life. As I, I'll give you an example. So, for example, in, in, in English you say, 
director of theater. In German, you say Theaterdirektor. It means the institution is coming first and then the person. That's the, uh, that's the way of thinking of the people because in other countries, the person, the human being is coming first and then the institution. And uh, if you look at the institutions in Germany and the way of their thinking, the language is giving this key to you to understand the society the same way as Freud, for example, knew uh, very long before that the fascists, the Nazis are coming under power because he was like listening to the language, the language that pe people were like, using. Mm. And you, you can see or hear signs of changes that are coming to you. Just, you need to listen to it. And the point is, if you are living, if you, you are born in a city near to the sea, you don't hear the sea. If you move to the sea, you, you hear the sea every night. And I'm the one who moved to the sea, I mean, moved to the Austria or in German language. That's why I'm just like, uh, there's everything new I try to ask. So myself, why it's like this, not like that. And so playing with all. Mm, that's, a, a, that's really interesting because the metaphor that you just used to me sounds very Iranian. <laughs> uh, it's it's a form of speaking that I've encountered speaking with my Iranian friends, which, for instance, I encounter a lot less when I speak with my British counterparts. Nobody would come up with this beautiful image of moving to the sea and being able to hear the sound of it. Um, but it, I'm interested. Then can I can I tease you a bit about your time in London? Like you said, you came to Royal Court. You were able to read a few of the plays that you had read originally in Farsi. But what did you think about the theatre that you saw in in London? I mean, besides of the plays I've seen in Royal Court, it was like one or two plays. Mm -hmm. um, uh, to be honest, it was like boring to go to <laughs> theatre in, in London at all because the, the way of the understanding of theatre is very classical. Very, mm. uh, It's like a museum of theatre mm -hmm. for me because uh, it, is very, it is very good to know that there is a part of the world the the, the the playwright is important as a person as well mm. as part of the theater. It's not like you say the same way in German speaking countries. Mm -hmm. um, you are not as a playwright, you are not part of the team at all. They don't think you at, mm -hmm. at all as a part of the team. You don't know, you don't have any idea what they are doing with your play. They don't ask you and then they are inviting you to the, premiere or two days before and they're asking you what are you doing the fact that the playwright is part of the team of theater and mm. established and there is a respect towards this people this person as a playwright it is very good but the fact that the forms are very classical it makes theater for me boring so i'm i'm into find new ways to discuss about new challenges mm. and also find new forms to to be able to be different in comparison to soap operas hollywood and so on and that was like not the fact not always in in london mm -hmm. but 
I, I was really excited to see how nice the people are in, in royal court, especially <laughs> because um, there, there is like, you know, in, in German speaking countries, there, there is a sen- uh, power in the hand of one person, mm-hmm. the, uh, the director, whatever you, you, you call it. And in, in, for example, in the royal court, they have like different departments, they have different power, and they are talking to each other, and they are very respectful. I, I was, that could be a model for uh, German-speaking countries. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the, uh, the playwright could be also, again, the part of the team and not so out of this, that would be also something that the German-speaking countries could copy it again or going back to it. Because that that's helpful for for theater at all, so in a way. And for me, it, it was very interesting to talk to talk with actors about my plays, uh, because I was not I, I did uh, because because theater is um, in in a way the society in 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 UK and also the theater is bit more open in comparison to German speaking countries because most of the people like they are originally German not not a single uh, there are a few people are from migrants uh, mm-hmm. families like second third generation but in the UK it's a bit different you know you have like a lot of people with different backgrounds they are all citizens of UK they've been born there but they have they know a bit uh, of more life realities from the other worlds. They know, uh, they know at least where this country is. So when I'm mentioning, you know, that's like something very specifically about, it has to do with the history of UK, sure, but German, Germans had also their, uh, they, ha- they have colonies in sure. Africa. Yeah, uh, yeah, it means, yeah. but the Germans are like, um, if you look at the, culture they are mostly so white germans sitting mm-hmm. uh on the high positions and for me it was like interesting to discuss with the actors about my plays because um they were also very excited that i'm talking about different challenges about history about the back and in a new way and not not in a way that the, there is a there is there is a person with this um, background, with his childhood, that yeah. he was like beaten up by his father, and that's why he is a murderer now. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can see that in 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 series, in soap operas, in movies, but mm-hmm. in theater, the fact it's not interesting. So in a way, not at least not for, you, for yeah. me. No, no, I understand absolutely your point in terms of. Uh, reclaiming the liveness of the experience and the fact that it is a it is a medium that can allow you to do something more than just tell a good story. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I completely understand that, and I'm um, I'm really fascinated by how you were able to kind of find that through line in in a foreign language or in a language that you had to learn because you arrived in, in, in Austria. Um, do you think you would write in a different way uh, if you had not learned another language or would you write the same definitely, kind of place? Definitely. Yeah? That, that would be, that would, that definitely that would be the case mm. because 
uh, a, a new language like German is a new word, and um, mm. and it's uh, actually widened my way of thinking because uh, if you the, the language is not only an instrument, but there is also an instrument uh, you, you can think with it, and the fact that I, I have like more ways to describe actually my ideas uh, in different in more languages it helped the way of I'm, I'm writing but also the fact that the languages uh, are always censoring themselves as well because they have mm-hmm. also a background and that's why you for example in, in some languages you are not able to talk about sexuality for example and you can do it in different in a other language you know some languages they are <clears throat> they are silent when it's coming to some topics, and other mm. languages are are very talkable. Mm. And I'm using this, and I, f- I try to force the languages to talk <laughs> and don't be silent. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the fact that I can like uh, think in this at least two languages if I'm not talking about English, uh, it helped and changed the way mm. of writing myself um for example and it's also very important to know that this language is german with this history you know and also if you <clears throat> think about the jewish exile <clears throat> all of these people they were like most of them they were like german speakers and they were killed by or, or forced to go to exile and then this challenge they had with the language they are talking that's a language of the people who want to kill them and they are thinking in this language. They love this language and so on. And I had, I mean, I don't want to com- compare my life with this. It's like um, very different. But I, I was also inspired by mm-hmm. all of these people because I was all of a sudden able to read them and understand mm. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's, that's really very, <clears throat> very powerful. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about, you know, bit of the now what what is it lately that you have been inspired by and it doesn't need to be you know theater related you know but mm-hmm. i'm just always curious when i meet other artists like what is the thing that 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 they've seen in the last you know few months that made them go oh wow that's interesting i mean so most of the time i think the inspiration comes from the war. So if just look at the things happening around mm. and also the books I'm reading or the research I'm doing because I was like doing a lot of research uh, while I was like in London for mm-hmm. a play maybe because, you know, that's like the, the British way of communication. They are talking between the lines. We don't get them through at all, or at least I don't get them through because they are not just like talking directly to you. And then uh, at one point I thought, okay, I'm going to be there talking to uh, actors and just like doing research and have a good time. And then these research, they were like very interesting for me because I start to think about museum, the idea of museum. So for example, British Museum, the relation of museum to the history of UK and why actually you you need a museum what's what's the idea behind a museum or behind zoo you know what do you want to demonstrate actually is it your power and 
each each piece of artifacts in in museum they have also a story actually and they are these stories are related to some part of the world so if you talk about middle east for example the cylinder of course in 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 uh, british museum they have found in iraq so you know after the uh, there was like kind of a nationalism in iran they they, they were like uh, claimed this artifact for themselves but it's it was like found in iraq i mean so but then the shah of iran so brought it for a first time back to iran to have a narrative as a king of the kings you know as a dictator you need a narrative always a nationalist narrative he who he brought it to iran for the first time for uh, installation and then behind of this whole bringing this artifact that the british people stole it from somewhere so in iraq behind of the curtain he was buying weapon it means mm. like you steal some artifacts bring it to a museum and showing off with your power and then if you borrow these artifacts for a dic- dictator like a shah to be the king of the king and so the, this narrative nationalist narrative you're gonna make a weapon deal and then the second time that was like the iranian regime with ahmadinejad that's a totally different narrative different regime islamic idea blah 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 and for a second time they want to bring this artifact to iran so and put it on display 2009 for the first time you had this 2009 the the huge demonstrations in iran and they killed people they shoot people directly i was still in iran i was like part of these demonstrations and still the uh, british museum was like not saying okay n- not now not anymore for you mr ahmadinejad but they bought this artifacts 2010 and put it on display if if you do a lot of research you you're going to find a lot of really small uh, connections that they are invisible but they are very important facts for life because everything is happening around us ha- influencing actually our life in fact or causes damages or not so if we look at the war now Mm. we have seen the pri- the benzene prices so the and then you see the the wheat is getting more expensive and the fact that the the bread going to be more expensive could also cause damages to regimes like iranian regimes or uh, there are the fame in in egypt for example they are mm. afraid of it i mean there is a war of one dictator causing damage to other dictators you know there are a lot of small mm-hmm. connections that <clears throat> we are not thinking about this but that's the duty of me so um, um, that's my duty to think about it that's for me very ins- that's inspiration that's great. That, that's a great like, way of putting it do you think like for you at least the the role of the playwright is to be that kind of um onlooker on the world uh of, offer some sort of sense or connecting dots between these kind of fractured realities I'm, i mean for me sure because otherwise i'm i'm not the i'm i'm a storyteller but mm-hmm. i am t- on, i'm able to tell the stories when they are interesting for me 
So telling a story that I know how it ends, it's boring for me. I'm not <laughs> into telling these kind of stories. I'm not a good storyteller in a way. I want to do a research and figure out more by my own as well. And then <clears throat> telling this story and sharing it in a way, that's, that's a journey for me as well. If I know the story I'm, I want to tell, it's like putting them together. So for what? I mean, I, if I want to earn money, I can do it with business or so mm -hmm. on. I don't look at the theater. There is a business, but there's always a journey for me as well to discover more. That's great. I have a last question. I mean, I kind of feel like you've almost already answered it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Um, what is the burning question you're grappling with at the moment? The, yeah. uh, I mean, um, to, uh, I'm, for now on, I'm doing research for two plays. One play... Um, um, I need still to finish till so next next month because I'm gonna co-directing this play at the end of the year in Vienna, and I'm doing a lot of research and I'm thinking about uh, the about the weapon actually weapons yeah and also the idea of weapons why and so how and how. And also the weapons, actually, if you look at the weapons, they have been also kind of interesting parts of capitalism. That's also another question I'm just like dealing with it. So how capitalism was able to grow and take over the power? There are some ideas behind the electricity, for example. I'm thinking about electricity a lot. And also weapons, because um, we knew in, in 16th century, um, so European countries, they have been able to colonize other countries because of the new weapons they had. You know, I'm <clears throat> just like going through this idea of weapons that's mm -hmm. something very uh, usual for us. We are not thinking about it, uh, about it at all. And you still see <clears throat> that war have showed us that then the one has better weapon can actually easily attack other countries. And the fact that most of the European countries are working with the f factories who are producing weapons and getting yeah. money, profiting yeah. actually, uh, shows that uh, the power that the Western countries have is going hand in hand with weapons, actually. And <clears throat> actually, some of these weapon uh, factories, they are working for the Ministry of Defense in Germany, in, in UK, in France, and so on. And we are always like talking about, so these countries selling weapons to Middle East and do on dictators and so on, and the people say, oh, that's bad, blah, blah, blah. But the society is getting profit out of it so the uh, the fact that in you are living like this in london is because of the money that they get so from weapons from the mm -hmm. colonial countries and so on and uh, the people are not want to actually to give this money back but I, I try to go through these whole ideas and find new facts and see so 
how how was everything possible? Because I think the history uh, affects our now life, and somehow the history is repeating itself as well. We are still in a, in a period of time that the history is repeating itself in a different way, but in a si very similar way. So that's why I'm just like. Uh, Doing research, learning more about the history. It reminds me. It reminds me um, of a show I saw once by a company called Rimini Protocol, which you might um, know. Um, mm -hmm. I think in 2014 they brought this show to the Theater Treffen, and it was about the weapons market, or mm -hmm. in a way, how weapons kind of touch all aspects of our lives. It was in a, it was an installation in, mm -hmm. I think, 20 rooms. Yeah. And you would go around with an iPad and, and actually you went up in a war hospital mm -hmm. in Sierra Leone or in a, you know, uh, with a sniper in Israel mm -hmm. and then in a factory where they're making parts in Switzerland, like, and you could just see how the pipeline, you know, of money uh, and and um, technology resulted into violence and, and bloodshed, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and how politics and um, and economy and 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 war are 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 intertwined in a mm -hmm. almost kind of in a tangle in a knot that can almost mm -hmm. not be unbound. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really fascinating thing to dive into. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> thank you, but in the fact that capitalism has no face, and in a digital world, mm. we we are we are not able to attack a symbol of capitalism because they are like uh, the there is no money you can touch, you can attack. They are all the the whole world is in a digital way, you yeah. cannot attack like digital uh, numbers that they are money. So somewhere, you know, that's why we are just all confused. Actually, mm. that's why we have like um, the idea of racism, because if I point at like migrants and say, okay, that they are the reason of yeah. uh, the lack of money and the, the bad job you have and so on. You have at least a face you mm. can attack or you can hate. But the fact that the capitalist has no face, uh, we are in a digital world, and we are very confused. That's very frightening. I do understand. That's why I understand, for example, now we have like Putin mm. uh, as a face, as a f devil face, as a person we can hate again. I mean, it's understandable that <laughs> we can hate him, but uh, that's the old, old good world that there, there is good and bad. bad yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in a digital world, we, we are confused. And we, are, we, we don't have any idea what, what we can do. How can you protest against capitalism? <laughs> where, where is the capitalism? The, they are. They don't have a nationality. They don't have a face. You know, that's that's like the yeah. fascinating idea. And then the countries, like the national countries, are going hand in hand with them. But somehow they don't have any power as well. If you look at Greece, they don't have a power. They cannot change things. They are just like um, this country is like like a ball in the hand of 
also some few other concerns and so on. So that the fact that we are confusing ourselves with so good, bad, and so on, and need always like a face, you know, you know, uh, in the, this fact you have it also about weapon because if somebody using this weapon, let's see, like a ISIS guy like a terrorist or uh, in, in, in case of Germany, like the Nazis using a weapon. We're always trying to talk about this crazy guy has, a, has some issues. He's Islamist, he's a terrorist. But we are not talking about the weapon, you know. Mm-hmm. They're always behind the, the fact that this weapon and the people are producing them uh, could be also part, and if you go through the history, you're going to find a lot of interesting connections again. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I try to go through and not uh, thinking about the psychological part of the mm-hmm. guy who killed this and that. It is interesting, but uh, there are some more, and I try to discover mm-hmm. these, so, but I talked a lot. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's great. That's great. Uh... We need a whole series of podcasts <laughs> about this subject. Hopefully not. <laughs> um, I would like to end with one uh, last thing, uh, which I always like to do in conversations, which is like, um, can you recommend me something, you know, to read, to look, to watch? Not, and, you know, uh, as, as, a, as, as a thing, you know, I, I, I always feel like when you meet people, and especially people who... Uh, kind of have different life experiences or live in another country it's it's always important to be able to expand each other's horizon you know uh so i think an act of exchange is always nice so sure but unfortunately i'm not able to give a recommendation i mean (laughs) i'm i'm not a smart guy i pretend to be but I mean, I mean is, it, is there a no, book I mean, or a play that I sure, should know, sure, about, I know what you mean, or, um, or, a, so. or a film that you saw recently that you found oh. interesting? Um, well, uh, I, I, I have heard a lot soon last time, but um, still, I'm not able to recommend something because that's like a good question. But <laughs> sorry, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, let wait. wait. <laughs> no, I mean, I can't take uh, yeah, yeah. books. No, it was like, uh, I don't know. So, simply <laughs> so do, do whatever it's interesting for you. But I mean, the, the what, fact what, that what, we are very different, you know. So, mm. I mean, like every human being mm. uh, makes it very difficult. Mm-hmm. No, let me let me maybe rephrase that question then. Uh, if if I wanted to know more of you through uh, a book or a piece of art, what would it be? Oh, uh, that this question is difficult to answer. If you find the answer, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> because you know we are we are like uh, all. Each of us is like full of small pieces from different ideas, books, and so on. And sometimes it's difficult to say like which idea coming from mm-hmm. this book mm-hmm. or this whatever. I mean, what what I can say uh, details. <laughs> mm. 
they are important for me so that's it i'm full of details so the fact that uh, i try to always to find the uh small connections like uh you know this neon light that they use in a after uh, after somebody kills another person they have different light and going through actually to try to find the blood and so on that blue light not, yeah, yeah. the the blue light and that's what, like something i always doing so if mm. i look at the story of something happening just now i try to turn on the other light and then figure out so, the hidden parts brilliant the between the lines at the english <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> the subtext thanks a lot uh, amir it was a real pleasure to speak to you today and uh, yeah thank you omar Thanks for listening to the Royal Court Theatre's Playwright Podcasts. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe to get the next episode. The Playwright's Podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre, presented by me, Omar Alarian, produced by Anushka Warden and Emily Legg, and with music by Karim Samara. Thank you.